0: Well, clinical trials are generally associated with great benefits, uh, but also additional liability risks. Liability claims originating from clinical trials are usually quite complex and may involve a number of different players, such as the sponsor, the investigator, the institution where the trial is conducted, uh, contract research organizations, etc., each of which, in its respective capacity, may be held liable under a different liability regime, whether it is medical professional liability, general liability, as the case may be. In this very brief session, we will focus on the product liability exposure of the sponsor, which arises when investigational medicinal products or medical devices are used with patients enrolled in 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 the clinical research. Now let's have a look uh, first at the EU legal framework. In Europe, uh, clinical trials on medicinal products are now governed by the uh, clinical trial regulation or CTR, uh, namely EU regulation number 536 of 2014, which is applicable since the 31st January of 2022. Uh, However, ongoing trials may have been approved under the former Clinical Trial Directive, EC Directive No. 20 of 2001, while clinical trials on medical devices are qualified as clinical investigations uh, by the Medical Device Regulation, or MDR, uh, namely EU Regulation No. 745 of 2017. It is important to note uh, from the outset that both regulations require that system systems for compensation of damages are in place, namely pursuant to article seventy six of the CTR uh, to which Member state, uh, according to which member states shall implement systems for compensation for any damage suffered by a subject and enrol- resulting from participation in a clinical trial in the form of insurance, a guarantee, or a similar equivalent arrangement, which is appropriate to the nature and the extent of the risk, while uh, Article 10 of the MDR requires manufacturers to provide sufficient financial coverage in respect of their potential liability under the Product Liability Directive, um, Directive number 374 of 1985, in a manner that is proportionate, proportionate to the device risk class and type and to the sides of the enterprise. However, neither of them provides for specific rules with respect to possible prior liability in the context of clinical research. Therefore, the conditions for criminal or civil liability of the sponsor, including crucial issues concerning casualty, um, recoverable damage, burden of proof, and time limitations, remain governed by member states' national law. In this regard, it is to be observed that even if the EU-PRO Liability Directive provides for a common set of rules which are applicable across all European countries, national laws may provide for alternative liability regime and or for forms of strict liability of a clinical trial sponsor for damages suffered by trial subjects. This is the case for instance in Italy, where the different tort liability regimes set out in the Italian civil code coexist uh, coexist with the pro-liability regime introduced by the EU directive and may be applied by Italian courts on an alternative or cumulative basis when deciding pro-liability cases. National law may also set out mandatory requirements in relation to clinical trial insurance policies such as minimum level of guarantee and or limitations on exclusion clauses. Accordingly, attention should be paid to the detailed provisions of the law of the jurisdiction where the subject participated in the trial. Uh, And with this, I thank you all for your attention and
1: I leave the floor to Alexandre Renaud. Thank you very much, Mauro and so Mauro having recalled the uh, EU legal framework we can turn on a few specific areas that our experience defending claims uh, over participation in clinical trials has shown to be a key in those cases um, I'll detail a few of them but maybe even before addressing those that you can see on the screen now there is one uh, area of attention that has been Uh, That has come up a bit specifically in some cases, which is the proof that the uh, clinical trial subject or we could say the patient subject because there may be a healthy volunteer, for example, uh, the proof that this person actually took the um, investigational product, whether that be an investigational medicinal product or, or a more rarely probably, uh, used the investigational uh, medical device. Why do I say that? It's This question is not specific to the context of clinical trials. Of course, we have seen uh, product liability claims uh, which related to a product that was in commercial life, where it was debated whether the uh, patient actually took the product. And we've come to demand, for example, production of uh, medicinal uh, medical prescription but what's a bit specific in the context of a clinical trial is those so-called blind or double blind uh, trials where you know some patients an arm in the trial uh, patients in this arm of the trial took a placebo uh, as opposed to some other patients actually took taking uh, the, uh, the the product and in some cases uh, you know the patient brings the claim uh, produces evidence of their participation in the trial, but it's not even clear to begin with uh, whether uh, the uh, they receive the drug or the product or the placebo, and some preliminary uh, questions may arise uh, around uh, lifting the blind. Uh, as commonly said, where it has not been done already, then being said, uh very often we turn to the content of the informed consent form. you know that in uh, Europe, as part of taking part in a in in a trial, there is this uh, relatively exhaustive information documents, the content of which is very strictly reviewed, notably by the ethics committee, which can you know, give a green light to the trial as part of the authorization. And the informed consent form contains, obviously, uh, a lot of information on the person's rights, including right to withdraw from the trial, uh, but also a description of the clinical trial uh, protocol. So one of the uh, very important initial steps in those cases is, of course, where it's not clear already from the claimant's evidence, uh, to check uh, that the claimant signed the ICF uh, as commonly called and signed the correct version of the ICF, and and check that it's actually that person who signed the ICF. That my might sound obvious but in some cases there were a bit of a doubt and which takes us to another type of discussion. Second bullet point, did the investigator and their team of course conduct the trial in full compliance with the protocol? Because of course all the steps of the trial are detailed in this protocol and if someone has deviated from the protocol, As you can imagine, the discussion on liability will be a bit different uh, because at least it's arguable, it's potentially arguable that the damage was not necessarily caused by the product, but may have been caused by um, the patient, you know, being subject to... uh, at either taking a product in non-authorized conditions or maybe having received an injection that was not foreseen in the protocol. And this, guys, this kind of circumstances, which might deviate the liability to someone else than the actual sponsor of the trial, even though in some countries, and Mauro was saying earlier that, you know, national laws Uh, The the rules on liability in this matter are essentially dictated by uh, national laws and in some countries you will find a strict liability of the sponsor irrespective of who actually may have made a mistake but it's still important even under such national laws because the sponsor may then have a recourse action against the investigator or someone in their team if someone has not complied with the protocol. So that's certainly a point of attention in those cases. Following point is causality or causal link. Again, as Mauro was recalling, this will be determined by uh, rules of national law. And it's, of course, a common area with those more general product liability claims uh, around health products. What's a bit specific, at least in some uh, claims brought in the context of clinical trials, uh, is that apart from the case of healthy volunteer taking part in a phase one trial, which is, of course, an important activity, uh, most uh, subjects will be suffering from a disease in the first part, because, you know, their participation in the trial, which essentially be about uh, testing the efficacy and safety of a treatment. And in some cases, it is quite difficult to attribute the damage to uh, the actual investigational product versus the initial disease, which may have been, for example, a deteriorating or degenerating disease, which with its own natural history, went natural progression. And in those cases, uh, of course, the expertise of the medical technical experts often appointed by the court, which be, will be absolutely key. Uh, and their findings will be key to the next step on finding liabilities because it's, it can be very highly debated how, if any in, if any extent, uh, should the damage actually be attributed to the investigational product. Next point, uh, and this again is common to a more general context of product liability claims, but Quite often, it's acutely on the table whether you would want as a sponsor to seek amicable settlement of the claim as opposed to defending the claim. Why is it a bit particular in the context of clinical trials? Well, for several reasons. There may be strategic reasons, especially if the product in development is an essential product uh, in in the portfolio of the Of the company, which happens to be the sponsor, uh, and the company will want if it has reasons to know that, for example, the, this claim is very isolated, uh, notwithstanding of course the obligation on f- clinical trial pharmacovigilance which will which will be of course uh, absolutely have to be met but uh, in order to avoid any undue publicity, the sponsor might be a bit more sensible. Or sensitive to uh, the possibility of settling a claim quite early Uh, but also uh, you can take into consideration the number of of participants in your trial that may be in several countries inside and outside the eu uh, obeying to different uh, sets of national laws and the sheer uh, burden of administering and defending those claims Uh, of course, uh, will represent various types of costs, independent uh, independent from the uncertainty of of the final outcome. So that may be an incentive to settle, of course, as always, in close cooperation with your insurer carrier, uh, who will have their own view about the, the overall strategy and finally a question that we think uh, that we've seen from experience very often arises when these uh, claims uh, are closed is lessons learned so you may say uh, you may say quite justifiably that uh, after each claim you will have to ask yourselves about lessons learned again a bit more specifically in the context of clinical trial the outcome or the number of claims uh, that may have occurred uh, as part of your your clinical trial may uh, entice you to think about adjusting the protocol, for example, if some language was debated uh, in court. uh, The language was approved, of course, by the ethics committee, but the fact that uh, the debate uh, in in a court was on this or that sentence may shed a different light or maybe of a national language translation of your protocol that may have happened, that has happened also that you may want to uh, re- review a bit or rethink the translation of some wording. Same thing for the informed uh, consent form. And the last area that you may want to revisit uh, after one or several uh, clinical trial claims, is, of course, the insurance policy. Now, you're not completely at liberty with the terms of your insurance policies because many national laws, as far as clinical trials insurance policies are concerned, uh, you dictate a number of constraints, for example, of the minimum level of guarantees or on limits on exclusion clauses. But at least within those boundaries, uh, it may still be relevant to have a discussion with your insurance carrier or broker, if that's your direct interlocutor, about, for example, as part of renewal the policy. Uh, in this discussion on renewal, you will of course take account of the last period and in terms of uh, actual defended claims. If you want to reopen discussion on some items of the of the policy, so these are the uh, main. Uh, points that we have found defending such claims as uh, subject to specific attention.